the first episode of Star Trek Picard is out, and I watched it, and I can't believe how much I liked it. And I'm worried, because quality has been one of the biggest problems with Star Trek lately. But I have to say, I, I'm very excited for what is to come. I'm excited that a lot of the very tropey things that I thought that they were going to be doing with this series, they don't appear to be doing. I really, I love it so much. So far. And I want to talk about it on today's Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name is Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and today I, I want to talk about Star Trek Picard, because it premiered, and I have feelings for Star Trek that are almost universally positive. I, I feel like I'm going to cry. I, I didn't know Star Trek could do this for me anymore. But before we get into all that, if you haven't already, please do take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It does help out a lot. It tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people. The more people that listen, the bigger the community. The bigger the community, the better the chance we have of actually communicating with each other. And after all, that's why I do this in the first place. Thank you to everyone who's already done that. Alrighty, so Star Trek Picard Episode 1 Remembrance came out, and I've watched it a couple times. And I actually liked it better the second time, which is amazing because I really liked it the first time. So if you haven't watched it yet, don't worry. I'm not going to go into spoilers until I tell you I'm going into spoilers because I'm going to go into spoilers at some point. But first, let's just get the generals out there. One, I like that they actually let Picard age. This is the thing that really worried me about this show is a lot of times when you get a nostalgia project like this, they want to take you right back to where you were and not really change much of anything. And this is the brilliance between Star Trek, the motion picture or whichever Star Trek movie you want to start with and the original series. When we meet Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and the rest again, there is a sense that they lived a life between the last time we saw them and when we're seeing them now. And that's one of the things that I think allowed Star Trek to come back in the way that it did. You feel the weight of time and all the events that, even if you don't know all the details yet, that... Jean-Luc Picard has gone through in his life since we last saw him in Star Trek Nemesis. And that is powerful. They did a really good job explaining in brief what happened in between. We were wrong about our guests, at least I was wrong, about the guests of who attacked Mars from the Children of Mars thing. We'll talk about that more in spoilers. And they didn't do a lot of obsessive name-dropping and 
nostalgia bait. Now, I expect that we're going to get a drip drab of nostalgia throughout the rest of the series. And Brent Spiner comes back to play Data in this one. And he's the only real connection connection to the next generation. Um, I don't want to give spoilers, but another person gets shouted out, which we'll talk about in a minute. But when you watch those trailers and you're like, look, it's Picard. Look, it's Data. Look, it's Deanna and Will. Look, it's Seven of Nine. Look, it's Hugh. I had this really big concern that that's kind of what this series was going to feel like because of the way that they portrayed it through the trailers. And fortunately, that's not what it is. They've set up a really good mystery. They've set up a really interesting world post the events of both the 2009 Star Trek reboot and the events of Star Trek Nemesis, which we have to accept are both canon. And they've given us a very interesting world. There are some questions that we'll get into in spoilers that I feel like I need answers to. I really need answers to that I don't think the series is going to get to. But all in all, for our first episode, it was brilliant. The pacing was great. It wasn't manic like Star Trek Discovery, but it never felt slow. It felt like it went at the pace that the story needed to go. And that is so refreshing for a Star Trek series. I like how they laid out the mystery. I like how they set it up. And I can't wait to see where it goes. Now, having said all that, I don't think I can say anything else without getting into spoilers because I've gotten very close a couple times already. So I'm sorry for not talking more outside of the spoiler zone, but so much happened. Okay, so if you have yet to see Star Trek Picard Episode 1 Remembrance and you don't want any spoilers, now is the time to pause the podcast, go watch it, come back. I'm going to dig in because... There's a lot that happens in this episode, and I'm going to try not to just do like a point-by-point recap of the episode, because I want to talk about the events, but not just recapping them. So if you haven't seen Star Trek Picard and you don't want any spoilers, spoilers are incoming in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. All right, you have been warned. Doge is not Picard's daughter. Oh my goodness. This is the biggest relief that I have in this entire thing, because I was sure that that's what they were going to do. It really felt, watching the trailers, that Doge was going to be Picard's daughter. Now, we were right to speculate that she is apparently the daughter of somebody that we know, and that's Data. Okay, so... Some things that I I just want to highlight just to make sure that we have them in our head, because I don't know if, see, the problem with a show like this is I want to pretend that they're writing this deep narrative with all of the structure and meaning and purpose to things. And hopefully they are. This, this, uh, This episode more than any Star Trek in a while gives me hopes that they are. But I always fear that when I'm looking at some of these nitpicky little things, that I am digging too deep into it. So the 
episode opens with a dream sequence of Picard playing poker with Data. And beautifully well acted, beautifully done, wonderful way to set up this entire story. But there were two things that really caught my eye because the camera specifically focused on them. And so I don't know how these would play in to the story yet, but I'm curious to see if they do. So number one, when Picard is shuffling the deck, we get a zoom in on the bottom card on the deck. And the bottom card on the deck was the King of Diamonds. Okay. And then through the course of the game, Data wins with a hand that is all Queen of Hearts. So King of Diamond, Queen of Hearts. There are a couple of different ways that you could go with this. Diamonds are things that are buried. I'm wondering if that is a reference to Bruce Maddox, who's going to actually become an important part of the story later on, because I have a feeling that he is going to be the Dr. Nunian Sung of this story, that he's going to be the reclusive scientist, maybe captured scientist, who is at the heart of everything that's going on. But when I think of diamonds, I think of, you know, buried treasure. Maybe this is Data himself, but, and kind of a hint that maybe it's that Dodge and her sister are different than Data, and that's why it's the King of Diamonds and the Queen of Hearts. But I don't know. I, I just found that very interesting because the camera zooms like way in to ensure that we see those two cards. So, Again, I may be reading too much into it, but I feel like there's something there that we need to keep our eyes on. Looking for diamonds and looking for hearts. Or looking for, symbolically, diamonds and hearts. Okay? Now, the thing about the Queen of Hearts, that immediately, because I knew the Borg were involved, made me think about the Borg Queen. In fact, Brian brought up the Borg Queen almost instantly when that scene happened. Now, so far as we know... From the end of Voyager, the Borg Queen is dead. The Borg, as we know them, are no more, I'm assuming. But I'm not going to talk too much about the Borg yet, because we haven't, other than the shot of the Borg Cube at the end of the episode, we don't really know about the state of the Borg at this point in history. But I just feel like there's something really, I don't know what it is, there's something about that that hand of the Queen of Hearts. And maybe it was a hint that Doge, maybe there's more than just two of her. Maybe she was more than just twins. And we'll get to that in a moment with a weird thing that they did with numbers. So I have not been able to find any significance, if there is any, in some of the numbers that they mentioned in the show. But I thought I would just bring them up because, you know. Okay. So we find out that the a group of rogue synthetics are the people who attacked Mars in that scene that we saw in The Children of Mars and in the backstory to this. And during that attack, 92,143 lives were lost on Mars and Mars is still on fire. 
Okay, I could not find any significance with that number, but that there it is. I also looked into um, Picard's reference to Dunkirk, and the numbers don't seem mathematically um, significant, again, in how that plays out with the numbers that we got in, in Picard, but just so you know, 320, um, what is it? 338,226 people were saved on, off the beaches of Dunkirk, and 800 ships were pressed into service to save them. And I am wondering how many Romulans were saved. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, 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 again, I don't think those numbers have any significance because I was looking to see if there's any relationship between the numbers that we got, and I just wanted to share them with you. I do wonder if this means that Picard organized a flotilla like we see at the Battle of Dunkirk, where civilian ships were pressed into service when the Federation decided to stop the um, relief effort because of the attack on the Utopia Planitia shipyards and Mars itself, if Picard then organized a civilian fleet to go and rescue as many Romulans as he could. I'm assuming that's what the reference to Dunkirk is, but we'll have to see how that plays out in the show. But the number, and I'm sorry, like I said, I'm like obsessively nitpicking the show apart, but the number that really got my attention on was when he has the dream about Data doing the painting, and he realizes that this is a painting that Data actually did, and he goes to the archives to look it up. The number of that lot in the archive was 227.67. Now, again, this is me obsessively overthinking things, but I just feel like I should point this stuff out to you because this is the kind of person that I am. 227 is a prime number, but it is also a twin prime, meaning that it is a prime number that is within two digits of the next prime number, because 227 and 229 are both prime numbers. That makes it a twin prime. Well, that's interesting, since this is a lot telling us about twins, but we don't know that yet. But it's also a prime triplet with two, um, 229 and 233. And a prime triplet is when prime numbers are no more than six apart. So does that mean that there's a third one? See, with that Queen of Hearts thing at the beginning, made me wonder how many, how many versions of Doge are out there. Because we know there's at least two. We hear that this type of Android is made in twos. But I find that interesting that the number that they used happens to be both a twin and a triplet prime. And the other fun thing with it is uh, 67 is also a prime number. It is a 19th prime, and it is the sum of five consecutive primes. It is, the, I, again, I just find this interesting. It is the sum of five, oh, I'm sorry, 7, 11, 13, 17, and 19. So 19 being one of the things that it's the sum of, and it's the 19th prime, 
I don't know if any of this means anything, but that's 19 coming up twice, two doges, two versions of this person. I don't know. It may be nothing. It may mean nothing. But the fact that they used two prime numbers for the number of the slot, just that seems beyond coincidence for me. And that one is a twin and triplet prime. And the other is a prime that can be constructed from five consecutive primes. That feels like those numbers were picked on purpose, with purpose. And I haven't heard anybody else mention that, but I'm a weird math nerd and I look at numbers because it's what I do. So again, I don't know if those are significant or not, but I wanted to share them. I think it's very interesting that the lot that we find out who Doge is from happens to be two primes, one of which being a twin prime. I find that fascinating and I don't think it's an accident. And I'm going to say bravo to the writing team because it's really cool whether they intended it or not, but I have to believe that it is intentional. Now, we learned that this process for bringing her about is called fractal um, fractal neuronic uh, yeah radiating and I don't know. I like this idea, but I'm not going to talk about it until we hear more. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. So there are two of them. One is apparently working on the board cube. That's interesting. And that's how we're going to get into all of that. I am, I think one of the most exciting things for me about this episode is how it turned on this crazy detective brain in me that I'm looking at the cards and I'm looking into these numbers and I'm like digging in. Like I did math today to try to figure out if the number for the number of lives lost had anything to do with any of these other numbers and stuff. Cause it turned my obsessiveness on again. And that is a good thing. You know how much I love Star Trek and the mystery that they've set up with this idea that part of Data's essence could still be alive. This is such a powerful idea to bring into Star Trek. And even more than that, seeing a Star Trek that's not afraid to have a voice and to have opinions. I mean, to me, the best moment in this entire thing was during the interview when they're talking about the flotilla that he sent to Mars to save, um, no, I'm sorry, that he sent to Romulus. And the interviewer says, Romulan lives. And Picard corrects her and says, no, lives. Because that's, that's that thing that I keep saying that Star Trek's been missing. That edict, infinite diversity and infinite combination. That this is the heart of what makes Star Trek powerful. And to see Jean-Luc Picard living with two aides who are Romulans in this future world. It was brilliant, and it was wonderful, and I loved it. And I've shared my weird obsessions with you. But all in all, great episode. Now, the one big question, well, three big questions that I have from this episode is, what happened to his brother, what happened to his sister-in-law, and what happened to his nephew? I need, I need answers. 
I can assume that his brother was older than him and maybe has already died. Maybe both of them have. But what happened to Rene? What happened to Rene? I, 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 I was afraid that the show was going to be secretly about Rene Picard. And they have convinced me that it's not. But the fact that we have Jean-Luc living at Chateau Picard without any reference to Rene, what, what did he do? Did he run off and join Starfleet? Is he still a member of Starfleet? I, I want a reference to him, especially if he is a member of Starfleet. I think one of the most interesting things they could do to bring him back would be to have Picard start causing trouble and for Starfleet to pull Rene out to be like, yeah, but we still have the a good Picard to and try to play him off of his, his uncle. I think that would be really interesting. I don't know if they're going to do that or not. I want to know what the Romulans are up to. I want to know what's going on. What did Maddox do? Maddox, what did he do? I, I really want to know. I'm so excited for this show, and I hope you liked it as much as I did. I've, I've looked at some reviews, and I've read some reactions, and I think a lot of people had the same reaction that I did, that it was amazing. But 22767, there's something there. There's something there, and there's something with the queens and the king of hearts. The, the king of hearts and the queen of that. I'll get it right in a minute. The queen of hearts and the king of diamonds. There's something there. We just have to find it. Anywho, if you have any questions, comments, or topics that you would like to hear discussed, especially about this, I would love to hear from you. In the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short and keep it clean so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you. If you'd rather hit me up on social media, I am C. Dorset on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. If you've got a dollar that you can pass my way, in the show notes you'll find a link to both the listener support and my Patreon. You can join the project for as little as a dollar a month, and it really does help keep the lights on, helps me pay for software, and helps me do everything that I do. Thank you so very much to everybody who already does that. If you don't have any money, right now, or you don't feel like giving, that's perfectly all right. But if you know somebody you think would like either this podcast or any of the work that I do, please share it with them. That helps out more than you know. Alrighty, there's a lot going on right now. I'm probably going to be obsessing about this for a while. I might do some more episodes about Star Trek Picard. I don't know. I'm letting it kind of settle in. Anyway, until next time, don't forget to have the fun. Bye!